Hello and welcome back to Onto the Ball. I'm Scott and I'm joined as always by James LB and Travis Morgan. We're here to go through the Manchester United and Arsenal Sunday game. We haven't jumped on straight away. We've, we've given it 48 hours to digest the game. It's been a bit of a crazy week in our WhatsApp group, to be honest. I think if we could have had a virtual <laughs> fight, James and Trav might have even had a fight, to be honest. And it won. <laughs> At one point, I could have even—I might have even been having a fight with Ob, disagreeing over FSG. It's—it's it's been a crazy, crazy week. Oh, um, God, I just good fun though, good fun, oh, real good, good fun. fun. Um, so yeah, let, let's get straight straight onto the ball. Arsenal, Manchester United. What a game! What a game. Uh, I said to you both on the text. I think after only five minutes, you see when I see Odegaard going from box to box, the intensity, the the well-oiled machine, the organisation. I said, I can't even watch this. I wanted to turn it off because I'm so down in the dumps about Liverpool. I look at it thinking Jordan Henderson looks like Odegaard's dad. He's just not as mobile as him, not even nearly. And my heart started yearning, thinking this was the intensity we had, not even two years ago, OB, six months ago, we had this intensity. And it is so far gone that we just had to sit back and, like you said, enjoy the the quality, the intensity, the, the old-fashioned rivalry everyone kept saying. This is like an old-fashioned Arsenal versus Man United game. And it, it really was. So take it away, Trav. Uh, I was hoping Neil would join, but he's not made it. So yeah. there's no Arsenal to to give the floor to. I was going to give him the floor because I give you the floor when Man United beat Arsenal back in September. But he's not here, so take it away. What were you happy with? And the million-dollar question, did Casemiro cost you a point or even the win? Well, it certainly made our chances a lot more difficult without him, that's for sure. Do you know what I mean? And, and without a doubt, he would have been a major plus for us in that game. We, we did need him, to be honest. I'm not saying we would have got a result, but he would have definitely enhanced our chances. You could see the difference between him and McTominay in the side is just absolutely chalk and cheese from an individual standpoint in terms of how he sniffs out danger. And I heard another, I think I was listening to another podcast um, in and around that game. And I think it was before the game, actually, they were speaking about Casemiro and, and how much of a miss he'll be. But I think what we sort of take for granted is his offensive qualities as well. When he, he does win the ball back, his distribution with that pass between the lines is very important in terms of setting up our counter-attack. So, yeah, without a doubt, he was a huge miss in the game. He really was. If I talk about the game, I mean... Before the match, I had a lot of apprehension about the game. I know I know the sort of form Arsenal and this season especially, they are a great side. And, and, and I don't think they get the credit that they deserve, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, they're such a dangerous side from all areas of the pitch, both wings. They've not even got their main striker. Eddie and Ketty has stepped up into the role. And as you said, Odegaard's just... He's probably is going to be the player of the season besides, like, Haaland and party. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be between them three, really. Depending on who wins the league, if City win it, Haaland will probably win it. If Arsenal win it, Odegaard will win it. That's how they normally decide it on the trophies worn and stuff like that. And He's such a great leader as well. I mean, he's a captain and he is vocal on the pitch, but he just got, 
it just sets an example. Like he doesn't have to shout at people. He doesn't have to scream. Everything he does is quality, and, and the play, the younger players in and around him just aspire to that level. And, and no one drops the level because he sets the tone with how he plays. He's a, he's a brilliant captain as well as a player as well. I thought we started the game quite slow. Arsenal really do start games fast, and that was my fear that they were going to score in the first twenty minutes, and and the game would be over. But it was in fact us that scored first and it was a great goal from Rashford I think Arsenal they started well but in moments with their possession building up from the back they, they weren't quite right they were giving the ball away building up from the back sometimes and, and we managed to nick it and Rashford with a fantastic piece of skill party nutmeg party and it's a great shot and, and he's got that technique where he just hits it quite flat and when, when he catches it sweet it's not often that you stop it and it was a great start I was obviously buzzing at the time then I think that was this was the key moment in the match for me. I think I said it, I might have said it on your group chat, but I was screaming it in the house when I was watching it. I was like, please do not play out from the back for the next 10 minutes. Just please don't. Do you know what I mean? I just do not want us to play out. I wanted us to kick long. The, me the most I wanted us to do was one short pass to a centre-off and it just goes long. We just needed to just... Like weather that storm for the next ten minutes, and what we what do we go and do? De Gea goes and plays it to Wambasaka with Martinelli pressurizing him, and I was like, they're gonna score from this, and I walked out of the room because I sensed it. I thought something was gonna happen, and next minute, all I heard was the volume on the TV from Enketia's equalizer, and I was like, I knew it, and I was just so annoyed about the fact, and that that sort of goes back to our game management. I thought the goals we conceded in the game were really naive and it reminded me of the United of old in terms of the goals, the mistakes that we made, making the wrong decisions, De Gea passing it to Wambasaka when he shouldn't have. When Wambasaka received it and he could see that Martinelli was there under pressure, he should have either went back inside, back to the goalkeeper, or he's just got to really hit it hard so it comes off Martinelli and goes out of play. But he tries a little finesse ball, rolled it down the line, it gets intercepted, Arsenal win it and the tails are up. And I think it's that that streetwise nature that you need, especially going away from home in a big game, which I thought we lacked in key moments. And, and I certainly do think Casemiro would have brought that to the side. I'm not going to go through every individual goal because, like I said, we've seen the, the game. But from a general perspective, I thought we had to go in at half-time 1-0. But once Arsenal equalised, they blitzed us for a lot of the game, if I'm honest with you. They had a lot of the ball. They were getting into good areas, getting around the sides. And... They said it on Monday Night Football um, and after the game in the post-match. The way they just managed to keep their composure was just the most impressive thing. Even when we pegged them back and made it 2-2, they just didn't panic and they just kept playing and playing and playing. And it reminded me of a City team. And you can tell Arteta's come from the pet school of playing with the way that Arsenal play. So testament to him. I was obviously very disappointed, the fact that we didn't get anything from the game. When I reflect on it, I still think we're moving in the right direction for sure. Like we we made the game a good spectacle. It's not it's not that what we were there for. We went to go and get the three points. We wanted the victory. We definitely didn't sit back and just hope for a draw. At one point in the game, we did. We would have settled for it. I think with about twenty minutes to go, fifteen minutes to go, with the changes that we were making, I think we were hanging on a bit. Um, but Arsenal just persisted and, and they they warranted the victory. If I'm honest with you, they really did. They got the just desserts. We were very, very close to getting a draw, which I would have been absolutely over the moon with, but it just wasn't to be. But I think we've got a good run of fixtures and we can move on from it.
Yeah, um, like you say, Arsenal was was so good statistically. Mm-hmm. They they did batter you, and I know me and uh, Ob put in the group. Um, they battered you, even though your same progress is made. It mm. was just it. It was such a convincing performance, like you say, from Arsenal. They they had the belief that it was going to come. Just keep doing what they were doing. Uh, Obi, I know my mind's been a bit clouded recently and, and you're the voice of reason to put me right, but I was even watching Sunday thinking McTominay would do a job for Liverpool. That's how, <laughs> that's how lost I am and how Obi, much my head has gone. Yeah, like, you, you need to you need to sort yourself out there. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was really interesting, but they were Arsenal in particular were just. Um, I didn't think there was a point where they were not on top in the game, if you know what I mean. And I know that at one point the scoreline was one 0 to United, but I don't think there was a point where I thought Arsenal were struggling here. And they never really went for a period of a game where they were struggling. Yeah. The goals you could see the way the players react when it went in. It was like right, let's go. You know what I mean? There was no negativity around the club. It's a really refreshing way to see a team react when they conceded. Um, both times, they it, both times they looked like they were going, well, okay, we'll just go again. And that's very City-like, going back to Trav's point. It's very much something that um, Pep's teams tend to do when they're in the pomp. And obviously Arteta's took that as well. The interesting thing for me was, and you alluded to it a little bit, Trav, is that that's a couple of games now where United have made defensive substitutions. Ten Hag's made defensive substitutions later yeah. on in the game, yeah. and you've still and you've still conceded. Now, I'm not criticising him as such, but the game management has got to be in question there. And when they're sitting there, and Luke Shaw was clearly getting absolutely. Rammed all over the place by Saka. He couldn't. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know whether to dive in. It'd been yeah. shown that it'd been clearly shown that he had a problem, and maybe Fred was the right substitution. But I haven't seen Ten Hag in the last few games bring on a positive substitution and go, "Okay, I'm going to throw more people forward and give you the problem." It looks like mm. towards the end of football games, he's hanging on a bit. And going back to your Casemiro point, Casemiro played against Palace and he still didn't win. So, mm. although he is effective, and he is being effective as a footballer, and I'm, I'm not denying his quality, I think sometimes you can it can be overstated how much impact one player can have um, in a game. And I don't think necessarily having McTominay on instead of Casemiro was the reason you lost. I think no, I they, lo- they, they, they lost individual battles all over the pitch, and in all honesty, the scoreline probably flattered Man United slightly, but fair play to them. They dug in, they they kept grinding it out. Um, Inketia was was fantastic. I thought Thomas Party, apart from the mistake for the Rashford goal, because um, he kind of gave the ball away before that as well, when it was like a double hit. Um, I thought he was uh, he was he was his usual imperious self, and it's the it's the passing and the willingness to accept the ball in tight space tight spaces, which. I was thinking back to the last time I've seen a team do that, and it's I think it's the 2018-2019 City team where they were literally taking the ball in any spaces that they were going, and they obviously picked Liverpool to the league, but that's the last time I've seen a team in the division move the ball as quickly as they were. Um, it's fantastic to watch, it really is, and they've got so much freshness. I worry for the depth of their team. Because there's still a long way to go in the season, but it's certainly something that was 
It was impressive. They were probably even more impressive against Tottenham. And I think kicking on, I think they're going to be a very, very difficult team for anybody to deal with, providing they don't have injuries to key players. Trav, before I allow you to retort <laughs> like Samuel O. Jackson in Pulp Fiction, <laughs> was De Gea at fault for Saka's goal? I would look at that goal and I think I'd, I'd expect Alisson to save that. It was so just due to how far out it was. Mm. Yeah, well, I I've mean, got my own... as Obi says, Saka had Shaw on toast. So that's kind of put to bed. Shaw's the best left back in the world. Tweets that have been doing the rounds the last couple of weeks. Would you agree? Malassia straight back in? No. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think Malassia will come straight back in. I think the, the, the thing what was not positive, but when I look at the game, all the goals were avoidable. Like, that we conceded, they were all avoidable. Like, they battered us, but they were poor goals to concede. Like, the Saka one, he's 1v1 with Ericsson and just shifts it to the left. Like, you know Saka's left-footed, you know he wants to come inside on his left. Like, it, it's quite easy to show him the other way, even if you have to overemphasize your body. But in a 1v1 duel, Saka versus Ericsson, you know every single day of the week he's going to win that over 10 yards. So when he does shift it, somebody's got to be flying in his face. No one's doing that. Do you know what I mean? Casemiro's doing that. I'm not saying he would have stopped it, but he is doing it. He's intending to block it, whereas McTominay hasn't got that mindset. But he's not a proper DM, so it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. Like That's, that's the player we had in that position. Um, so, yeah... The first goal is definitely avoidable as well. Wan-Bissaka just on his heels. They shouldn't have even had the corner in the first place. Again, that's down to that naivety. The last goal, not so much. I think we were really hanging on. Um, we were stretched. Arsenal were piling men forward. And they wanted to win the game desperately. And you could see that. Um, and they, like I said, they were rewarded for their efforts. And, and rightly so. But from a defensive standpoint, oh, there's, there's so much United could have done better in the game on the goals itself. I'm not talking about the general play. Arsenal were very dominant. Um, they had 25 shots. They only had one more shot on target than us. But they still, the intention was there. They dominated the game without a doubt. And in terms of where they are in terms of their evolution, you can see that Arteta's been working with a lot of that group for a long time on the training pitch, do you know what I mean? And you can see that now coming to fruition. So I would expect a Ten Hag United team with a few more signings to be in and around that level in, in, in three years' time where, where we look like we can go to the Emirates and actually go and win and, and dominate. And when I say dominate a game, I mean like what we did to City, that level of dominance in that particular game where I'm saying like, it looks like we're controlling the game in the in the areas that we want to control it. Because although City had a lot of the possession, we had them at arm's length in that home game at Old Trafford. We had them where I thought we wanted them and we counted very well in the first half. I thought we should have been ahead in that game. But we just weren't able to do it against the in, against that Arsenal team. But they're on fire, so it, it's, it's not really an issue. It's, it's what I sort of expected to happen in the game, to be honest. Vague Horse has been what? taking pelters on Twitter. Have you seen yeah. it? I thought yeah, he'd yeah. done all right. I don't know whether I went watching the same game, but I thought Vague Horse done all right. Yeah, that. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, this is the thing. Like, when a signing happens, obviously, you're going to expect him. He's a striker. He's going to be judged on the, the, the amount of goals he scores, without a doubt. Facts. He's just going to be judged on that. Mm. But, like, 
for what the arrangement is, it's a short-term loan. He's going to come in to, like, he's not even meant to start every game. Martial can't stay fit. He's going to be rotated. When he comes in, he's not going to score in every single game. Um, his Premier League record speaks for itself. It's not a great record, but he's there to just bulk up the numbers. This The objective for United this year is to be in the top four. That That is what the objective is, to be in the top four, maybe compete for an outside trophy. We've got a good chance in the EFL Cup. We've lost the top of the league. They've lost one game all season in all competitions. Do you know what I mean? They've drawn one or two other games and they've won the rest. They've not even been drawing games. They're blitzing everyone. They've gone to Brighton and blitzed them. They've blitzed Spurs away. Every single big team they've come up against, they've won at least once. City's going to be the big test. I actually fancy them to beat City at home, to be honest. They might struggle at the Emirates. Um, um At the Etihad, sorry. Um, But... Would you bet against them to get something at the Emirates? I mean, at the Etihad, sorry. I mean, you, Everton drew there. They've been dropping points at home. There's no reason why Arsenal cannot go to the Etihad and get a result as well. You wouldn't put it past them. They're playing so well at the minute. I, I, th- I think I think you've got a good point. I think there's no reason why that team won't believe because it looks like the belief is there. Um, the, only, the only thing I would say is there's a lot of big game players for City. And if they turn up, and the amount of times we've seen it in the past where mm-hmm. you think to yourself, I might get something here, and then them City boys turn up. If if De Bruyne has a good day, and Haaland has a good day, I'd be very, very surprised. And Modri has a good day. I'd be very surprised that anybody beats City. Um, but equally, Arsenal have got key players. So they've got Odegaard, they've got Party, and, well, I mean, they've got Saka up front, who is, is, is absolutely flying. So... There's an mm. argument to say it's, it's a pick em. I think there'll be a couple of fantastic games. I think the key thing for the season is they've still got to play each other twice. And I think that really is the key point to the season. So anybody who thinks it's over, and I've heard a lot of people saying it's over, it's not over because there's so many things that can happen. Um, just putting out there, if Arsenal lost Party or Odegaard or Saka or one of their defenders... Um, I think it would be a massive blow and I think they'd struggle to maintain the same level. Whereas I think City could probably cope a little bit better because they have got a deeper squad. But that's the thing. like um, For the first time in about 10 years, I can reel off the Arsenal 11. They've got such a settled 11. They've been so lucky with injuries, barring Jesus, but Enketia's stepped in like no one's even missed Jesus. And if you think of Man City at the minute, I don't want to use the word transition because you two might have start having a scrap again. <laughs> but Man City do seem like in a bit of a transition where they're trying to work out how to play with Haaland, of course. Obviously, De Bruyne is loading his bullets. But I mean at the back. I don't even know who will be playing at the back. Akanji gets selected a lot. Nathan Aki gets selected a lot. He's played a lot recently. Um, sometimes he's been fullback. Sometimes he's been centre-back. Where's Laporte? Where's uh, Diaz, Cancelo? Yeah, yeah. Nico I think Lewis, it, it, Nico Lewis has been playing fullback, the youngster. They change yeah. their back line a lot. They do. But, I think but what might... I would say is that they're all quality. They're all yeah, yeah, quality. Yeah. But I mean, in terms do... of a settled side where they yeah. all know know where each other is and getting into that yeah. rhythm, and and Arsenal have got this rhythm and this winning habit now. And you go to any ground, home or away, and that winning rhythm like Leicester showed in 15, 16, 
like Liverpool showed in 1920, um, when we won 26 out of the first 27 games, that habit is is worth a goal or two because you're just you're always buzzing, you're always ready for the next game. You can't wait for the next game. Whereas Man City, the point I'm trying to make is they'll be on the Friday. They won't know who's playing. They don't know who's playing on Saturday. Am I centre back? Yeah. Am I on the bench? Who's is he up front? Grealish is in and out. Foden's in and out. It's all a little bit transitional, dare I say. Yeah, City are beating I think. Oh, yeah. of course they are. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I think they are. But I do think that they could easily turn it round because they have got the quality in in the squad and in the team. And probably six or seven of them, three of them suddenly hit their straps and suddenly hit a bit of form, and the whole outcome of that game could easily change. I really do think that. Just going back to the Man United piece. Trav and I wasn't. Yeah. Try, I'm not trying to just have a cheap dig at Ten Hag. No, 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 no. But, there, but, but there is a bit of defensiveness going on there, and you're not seeing it through. It's happened two games in a row. Yeah, yeah. And and what I was thinking about was when Arteta was taking stacks, and he was at points. A lot of the times he was taking stacks from his own support for going to attacking. When they were, they looked like they weren't really getting a foothold in the game. He would make attacking substitutions. Now. I suppose the argument could be Ten Hag knows what he's got and he's been a little bit more reserved and sensible when trying to manage games out. <clears throat> but do you do you think that's possibly him showing a, dis, a defensiveness to his substitutions and his tactics to try and hold on to what he's got a little bit? And do you think that's something that you could, you might see over the coming sort of year? It's an interesting point that you make, actually, um, when I think back to that Palace game, because I know De Gea made a couple of saves, big saves in that game, but I, 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 don't, I don't think you could say, oh, like, the, the equaliser was, like, inevitably coming. He's hit a worldy free kick, and it was, the wall was very poorly set up um, for the goal, and it's a goal that we, sh- we shouldn't really be conceding it in that game, to be fair. It was a real kick in the teeth, that one, because... We should have seen that game out. It was poor. The Arsenal game, like like I said, I'm not I'm not as fussed with that because Arsenal was so good and you could see the goal coming in that game. The Palace game, I don't think so. In terms of his substitutions, they're always going to be that element of risk no matter what you do, especially at such a tight scoreline. Do you stick or twist? Like weight at impact? top of the league as well. Yeah, exactly. Like you bring yeah, the one and you concede. Do you know what I mean? We conceded. We conceded making a defensive substitution or whatever. So if you make an offensive one, it might not necessarily push them back. It, it, it that's what managers are paid for. Do you know what I mean? He, he could make the same substitutions another three occasions, and it could work on two. And and this is what happens when when you pay the big money to make these decisions. You don't always get them right. Do you know what I mean? And I think sometimes blame for all managers can go too far because they have to make decisions sometimes just like playing Casemiro I held I said he shouldn't have played against Palace that was just my opinion but he's the manager he he makes the decisions he's not always going to be right he might be sitting there at home reflecting thinking shit if I just dropped Casemiro for that one game he might have been available for the Arsenal game you just don't know what they're thinking yeah but I suppose the other way you might have drawn the Palace game um, or you might have drawn the Arsenal game, sorry, and lost the Palace game if he'd invested Casemiro. So it could have backfired the other exactly, way and probably exactly. would have would have looked worse on him because at the end of the day, he hasn't told Casemiro to get a yellow card. 
no. Casemiro took it upon himself. No. And to be honest with you, Casemiro made the right call because there was no other decision to make other than to foul the player. The so he had to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And it was like, at the end of the day, that's part of football when it happens. I think, that, when you, that, I think when you reflect, you hit the nail on the head, Obi. When you think of it as a chunk of three, when you think of those games, City at home, Palace away, Arsenal away, we could have quite comfortably either lost all three or at least lost two of them games. Yeah. yeah, let's say we lost the City and the Arsenal game, which everybody expected us to do, and we beat Palace, we would have been three points. So technically, we're up a point of where we everybody probably expected us to be. So we're still in a good position. We've probably gained one more point. The only reason it seems like we've lost point, more points than we actually technically should have is because of the late goal at Palace probably would have put us on six points out of the nine and that would have looked a lot healthier and we're on four out of those nine. But when you reflect on it as a three, I think we're probably a point up where everybody expected us to be. So it's not the end of the world. There is obviously disappointment we've dropped in the last two games it would have been nice to keep that unbeaten run going if we would have nicked a point at Arsenal. But we've not. We've lost. It's the first defeat in like 13, 13 games, I believe. But we've just got to just put it behind us now and kick on. We've got a good opportunity for the next five um, games are at home in the league. So I think it's an opportunity for us to really sort of consolidate that top four place. And I think we can. Yeah. And I suppose I suppose the other part of it is that, I mean, the effectiveness of people like Fernandes and Eriksen wasn't, obvious against Arsenal. I thought Fernandez in particular, it looked like he was trying to time waste from the first minute. And and, and and your keeper was as well. And it's like, that bothers me a little bit because if that's not driven by the manager, the manager needs to get that out of them because that's a negative mindset. And this is why I'm going back to this defensive sort of mentality. Mm. of Does that create a negative mindset? Because from really early in that game, they were trying to slow it down. And every goal kick was taking an age. Every even at one one, and every every moment was taking ages. Fernandez was spending a lot of time on the floor. He probably should have been more harshly dealt with when he kicked out as well, and that and that kind of got brushed over as part of the commentary. But there was an awful lot of time wasting, and I don't know whether that's just something that Ten Hag really needs to nip it in the bud and trying to get the players on a more positive mindset, or or lead the team into that by making more positive substitutions going forward. And that's not me being critical of him. That's me sort of saying it's something we should look at and potentially further down the line, I think it's something that will come back and we'll go, okay, we look back to that. We could start to see something defensive going on and something very sort of negative in the mindset. And well, we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. It was just some early signs and some little red flags for me. I'll never stick up for Man United or Ten Hag because I want them to lose every game and get relegated and go bust. But I think Ten Hag was probably playing within his means. He knows they're not ready to challenge for the league. So it wasn't like, uh, let's try and win this and we'll we'll narrow the gap to Arsenal. He probably knows the squad isn't ready yet. The team isn't ready yet. And he probably, like you say, tried to shut up shop thinking a point uh, away to the league leaders... It'll be a it'll be a good a good result for us for this stage yeah. of our development before we spend another two hundred million in the summer. Just thought I'd get that in there. <laughs> but um, the thing about Arsenal, we're sitting there waiting for, like you say, Odegaard to get injured, Party to get injured, Saka to get injured. It's not happening so far. No, um, get, but also the worst thing for me 
obviously from a Liverpool point of view is they're, they're reinforcing in January, OB. We didn't do it in 13-14. We didn't do it in 18-19. Um, we didn't do it... No, we did do it last season. We, got, we brought uh, Diaz in. But they're spending more and more money. Trossard come in and, you know, we've all watched enough football. Trossard is a fantastic uh, talent, but he must have watched Mudrick against us on Saturday and was like, I'll show you what I'm about because he was incredible. And I started yearning again, 25 million. Why didn't we get Trossard? He looked brilliant. And they're not done there. I, I hear they're linked with another oh, right back. Signed one. signed one today. Oh, is he signed? Yeah, he's signed. Yeah, he's in. Jesus. Facebook, yeah, they're signed again. And they're, they're just going to get stronger and stronger. They're going to be a real force to, reckon with, to be reckoned with. And I think if they get this title over the line, they're just going to attract all kinds of players because of the brand of football that they're playing. They've got a real young, good, hungry, modern coach who, let, let, like I said, this is his first managerial job as a full-time manager. He's done unbelievable. In terms of a process, when you think back to when Klopp first joined and what your first two years were like under him and you were getting to finals and really overachieving, not spending a lot before you got like the likes of Van Dyke and Allison and that. Like, I know their net spend's bigger than yours, but it's very similar in terms of the journey and the path. Obviously, they've not been in the Champions League, so they can't get to Champions League finals and stuff, but in terms of the product, what you're seeing now into that third year, you're really starting to see that idea accelerate now. And it's no surprise that they they are where they are in the league. Can they sustain it? I personally think they can. It's going to be interesting to see if they can. But, like, it's not a surprise for United because we're still in year one. Yes, we've spent $200 million and people are going to just revert to that on face value, which is absolutely fine. That That's what happens. But, but really, Tenog, like you said, still needs to weed out some of those players. I made a list on my phone, but I'm using it as my camera for the stream, so I can't get it. But I made a list of like six players that we had already got rid of. Pogba, Cavani, Ronaldo, Eric Bailly, players that are gone, Jesse Lingard, uh, Greenwood. Then you've got a list of players that are still there that still need to go. I think Wan-Bissaka's on it, McTominay, Lindelof, Maguire, that's four and then a few others. So that's another six. And then these positions, I based it on sort of like a model of what Man City do, where they, let's be honest, they've just got two top players in each position. Um, and I went down the squad and I started making my list and I was like, yep, Sean Malassia, comfortable with that. Varane, Martinez, great. But what's underneath that? Not a lot. Right back, I like Dallow, but he's probably not going to win you a league in terms of the quality that you need. And we need a replace uh, um, somebody who can compete with him. Then you go on, on to midfield, and I think there's just gaps everywhere. It still needs tidying up. It's still early in that process. I think, like you said, in the next 12 to 18 months, you will see Ten Hag's full squad. Then I'm not saying he's got to get rid of absolutely everyone, but you'll see a bigger nucleus of players that he wants to start competing with. And and I'm and I'm got my fingers crossed. I'm hopeful that he can start competing for those bigger trophies within the next year or so. You having that, OB? No. <laughs> no. I'm not having that. I think I think I think he's walked into an awful lot of quality players. He's added Casemiro, which is probably the key player. And I think that they're they're now kicking on a little bit off the back of probably 
Casemiro more than anybody else, and obviously bringing Ericsson in for a little bit of quality. Martinez, Fernandez, Anthony, yeah, Malassia. Yeah, I'm, I'm not having Anthony, by the way. I no, think he. I don't think anyone is. I, I, I don't think he's a player that I think we were promised we were going to see in the Premier League. Um, I'm not convinced by that. Massive, massive deal as well. How much did he cost to Trav? 80. Wow. Okay. Did, um, did you see uh, right Party put the afterburners on and embarrass him for pace? Yeah, of course. Yeah. That was mad, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you don't expect that to happen because when you're buying someone for that amount of money, you expect them to be better quality of either pace or skill or trickery. All I see him doing is coming in on the inside in the same way every single time and not really going anywhere. And I'm not sure there's an end product. I could be completely wrong. And it is quite early on his journey, but he doesn't look like he's adapting to the Premier League particularly well for me. Right, I'm going to hit you now. And it's on camera, so the pressure's on. City or Arsenal for the league? We're at the halfway mark, is that right? 19 games or is it 20 we've played now? But either way, we're at the halfway I think mark. Arsenal have got a game in hand over City. Arsenal have played yeah. 19, City have played 20. Travis, Arsenal or City? Arsenal for me. Obi? I'm going to go City. I'm going to go... Arsenal. Arsenal, oh. I can just feel they just got this rhythm. They got this habit. They're like <clears> a juggernaut every the, game. The, the, I just think the this reason, will be a test. This will be a test, and it isn't a test. They're blasting them. Yeah. The reason I think that the, the, there's two unanswered questions for me. One, they come up against City home and away, which we've talked about. And I think if they lost both of them, they'd be right under the caution, feel it. Um, and two, we saw them really tail off the back end last season. And a lot of that, I think, was due to um, fitness as well. So I think it'll be interesting to see if they've got the fitness regime right. I'm yet to be convinced that City, City won't be shrugged off. So they'll be there right to the end and they'll be waiting. And it's got horrible vibes of Liverpool in 13-14 for me with Arsenal this season. <laughs> I hope you're right. There's just something that I can't digest about Arsenal winning it. City is easy to <laughs> City's easy to digest. So I think I think he's called Neil. I think that's what it is. <laughs> I think you might be right. <laughs> right, lads, it's, it's been a pleasure. Um, if anyone's made it this far, don't forget to like and subscribe. And we will, of course, see you all in the next video. Cheers, gents.